0: Now, you're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. We will have Ron Darling who will be with us at 7.05 for a Mets spring training report. Give us the latest on what's happening there with the Amazons. Big night for Iona as uh, Tim Close, their head coach, will join us on the show tonight. They win... The Mac title for a third straight year and once again are heading to the NCAA tournament. Uh, so a lot to do. 800-321-0710. The number to get involved in the show, again, 800-321-0710. Uh, the Mets winning their spring training game today on a walk-off Grand Slam. Yeah, about that. Philip Evans uh, hit one out. Donald Trump Jr. did not join in the celebration at home plate, but uh, you had that moment uh, for the Mets today. Something fun over the course of spring training, and then tomorrow will be fun. Uh, they get the Yankees, and you'll be able to hear that right here on Seven Ten W O R at one o five tomorrow. So we'll have some fun with that coming up uh, in a little bit. But today, mostly for the Mets, it was about you know getting some guys healthy and getting some updates on those things. And, and for the Mets, you know, last week it was all about the injuries, and every day there seemed to be something new. Uh, That has quieted down a little bit, which is certainly a a positive for the Mets. But now, you know, they got to graduate these guys to full health. And, you know, it doesn't seem there's anything that is overly serious thus far. Uh, But some updates on both Jacob DeGrom and Michael Conforto that we're encouraging today. And DeGrom had a big day uh, through a bullpen today, through live batting practice to Juan Nagaris, Dom Smith as well as Tim Tebow and, and look great. Uh, You know, had the, you know, was able to really dominate those guys and, you know, they know, having a hard time catching up to his fastball. And of course, DeGrom was dealing with some stiffness in his back that has slowed him down this spring training. You know, his uh, wife gave birth to a to second child as well. So he missed some time for that. I uh, had the stiff back when he came back and you know, his opening day start is in doubt. However, Uh, He has been able to uh, you know, at least pitch the bullpen today and you'd hope, uh, sooner rather than later, uh, be back to, you know, full health and, and able to get going. And it would seem the next step for DeGrom now would be that he could pitch in, in a game and get the, the real action going. So, uh, at this point, you know, it's March 6th. Opening day is March 29th. You're looking at a little over three weeks to try to get four spring training starts in. The math doesn't quite work out on that, so it would seem pretty unlikely that DeGrom would be starting on opening day, but uh, it is uh, you know, still in the realm of possibility. But uh, DeGrom uh, here on you know, his bullpen today and how it felt. felt good. Um,
1: decided to do an up-down um, the other day because I did a 40-pitch bullpen, so we figured we'd, uh, you know, everything was feeling good, so we figured we'd do an up-down to see how that felt. So everything went good, so... I'm um, looking forward to getting in the game. Like I've said before, it doesn't matter whether it's a live BP or a game. When somebody steps in there, the adrenaline starts uh, running. You know, it's different than throwing a bullpen. So definitely good to have hitters in there and, and throw with them in there and not feel anything.
0: As for opening day?
1: If we don't feel like I can get built up to it, then we're not going to push anything. Uh, once I get out there, I want to be able to make all 32 starts or 33, however it is. you know. And then um, the goal is to be in the World Series. So there's some more starts there. So... I definitely don't want to jeopardize anything by doing anything stupid, but it would definitely be an honor to uh, start opening day.
0: As much as you'd love to see Degrom get that opportunity for all that he did last year for the Mets, and really over the last you know four years where he has been as consistent and durable as anybody in this rotation, you can't really be pushing him for opening day if it's going to put him at any kind of risk. He's just too important to what the Mets are trying to accomplish this year. Uh, and you know, the more you look at it, the more this goes on. He's making progress, and all these things are good, but you. you start to you know do the math on how many days he's going to need all right four days rest till he make his first spring training start so he's not doing that until march 11th and if you have two and a half weeks to gear up to be able to go let's say six innings on opening day it gets tough to see how he's going to get stretched out quite that quickly so uh, you know the mets have allowed him to you know keep up the hope, uh, that he could be ready to go on opening day. But at a certain point, and maybe soon, that, that gets taken away. And they, you know, can name Noah Syndergaard the opening day starter to Grom. All right. He can't pitch opening day, but you know, might be able to pitch even if it's that weekend against the Cardinals or, you know, the, the next series and early on the next week. He shouldn't have to miss a turn in the rotation, but to uh, hustle him back just for opening day at this point with, you know, the Mets trying to be competitive this year and with them, you know, again, needing to get off to a, a good start as well, uh, to try to, you know, get people amped up and believing in this team. And I'm sure, you know, the team itself needs a little bit of that after a seventy win campaign last year, you know, that's something that has to come first uh for for the Mets. Their you know, their long term outlook with this team and you know not pushing Jacob deGrom just so you know he can have the the honor of being the opening day guy. I think, you know, part of the honor is the fact that you're asked to be the opening day starter, and you know Jacob Degrom clearly knows that he was going to be that guy for the Mets, uh, and you know the fact that he's not able to do it this year because of you know the the back stiffness and being um, you know put behind in his schedule because of it. Yeah, that's just, you know, something unfortunate that happens here. But, uh, I think, you know, you feel pretty good about guard and, and at some point, the Mets saying, Hey, we're just going to let Noah do the opening day start. Jacob, get ready at your own pace. And, you know, we'll see a couple of days into the season because it, it certainly looks like that's the way this is going to go anyway. So why not just make it official sooner rather than later? Um, and, you know, keeping DeGrom, you know, strung, uh, strung along here. Uh, and then, you know, maybe even more importantly than DeGrom and, and him having a successful bullpen today, Michael Conforto was able to take batting practice, live batting practice for the Mets. And, you know, he's had that, he had the shoulder surgery this offseason. Uh, it was, yeah, a scary looking injury last year when just on a, a standard swing, uh, the shoulder popped out of the joint and, you know, needed some work done on that to get it fixed up. The Mets have Talked about May as being a realistic landing date, but it seems there has been some more optimism. He might be able to get back a little sooner. The New York Post uh, hinted at that this past weekend, and you know, Conforto, if he's able to take live batting practice on March sixth, well, you you get some another week or so of that, and you know, maybe at some point he's able to uh, partake in a spring training game and and start to build his way up. But uh, Conforto talked about when he reaches the point that he's not thinking about that shoulder any longer. To be honest, I never, you know, maybe, maybe the first swing off the tee. Um,
1: but after that, it's, it's just been about getting ready to, to um, face live pitching, being ready for the season. And, and um, you know, I really haven't felt any hesitation at all.
0: So That's a good sign. And then Conforto asked, uh, how tough is it not to get ahead of yourself when you want to progress?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's tough. It's tough just like, you know, this whole process has been, Um, but when I get to do stuff like this today, you know, I I get a little bit closer, a little bit closer every day and, you know, my exercises and all that. Um, So, you know, I just try to focus on the present, you know, just like you would uh, during the season. Um, I guess it's a good exercise to, you know, to just focus on the here and now and and what I can do today to to get myself a little bit closer. And so that's just what I got to do.
0: No, it's still not much of a, a time frame from Conforto, but you, you could start to see how maybe he is able to get back at some point in, in late April and, and contribute for this team, but Conforto he is as dangerous an offensive threat as the Mets have and getting him back in a hundred percent is a huge key for this team. We talk about the starting pitching all the time and, you know, what's happening behind DeGrom and Syndergaard in that rotation. But if Michael Conforto can be the hitter that he was last year once again, this season, it's going to go a long way, to uh, to helping out this Mets offense and having him and a healthy Cespedes uh, and Cespedes at a home run to center field today. If you get those two guys right, hitting 2-3 in this lineup, that's when the Mets have something dangerous. And the lineup is deeper than I think it was last year. You know They don't have a true leadoff guy, but they haven't had one for years as it is, uh, unless Nimmo really steps into that role. But if you could have Conforto and Cespedes in some kind of combination there, two, three in the middle of this lineup, and there weren't that many games that those guys were both healthy and contributing, uh, at the same time last year, that's where the Mets, you know, can be dangerous and can be, a, a lineup that you do have to worry about and, you know, maybe a little better than just being, you know, a league average offensive team. Uh, he has, you know, and I'm sure Confort has the ability to be even better than he was last year, but he's got to, you know, prove he's healthy and, and get the shoulder worked out uh, before you can make those kinds of uh, guarantees there. Uh, we'll have Scott Miller, Bleacher Report, hanging out down in spring training and has an interesting book coming out on, on the mental side of the game. Former big league pitcher Bob Tewksbury, now a mental skills coach. So, you know, working, you know, talking to the layman here. Uh, what what can you tell? take away in terms of some of the the, the mental aspect of uh, the, the game in baseball we'll chat with Scott Miller about that when we come back sports zone with Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York 710 woR you're in the woR sports zone with Pete McCarthy. All right, back here in the sports zone on a T-shirt Tuesday. You call into the show. You get yourself a free Mets T-shirt, 800-321-0710. We'll be able to uh, take some calls coming up after 6.30. But we welcome on right now Scott Miller of Bleacher Report, covered spring training out in Arizona. And, Scott, uh, great to have you on the show again. How you been?
1: My pleasure, Pete. Good. Uh, how are you?
0: Yeah, everything's great here. I, I see uh, a lot of buzz about the Arizona Diamondbacks bringing back the bullpen cart. I'm all for it. What uh, What are you hearing about the, the bullpen cart trend that might be picking up here?
1: Yeah, I'd love to see it picking up. But yeah, the Diamondbacks had the big announcement today. They're going to use a bullpen cart for the year. I mean, to me, it, it makes all the sense in the world. I mean, as Terry Francona said, I was in the Indians camp earlier today, and I asked him, I said, hey, Terry, did you what do you think of the big bombshell announcement today in the game? He kind of looked at me like what what do you mean what bombshell? I said the Diamondbacks bringing a bullpen car back. He <laughs> laughed. As he said, I'm all for it. He said anything to bring fun into the game, you know, fun plus nostalgia, I'm in. That's what Frank Conner said, and that's pretty much my attitude as well. I mean, you know, Commissioner Manfred wants to move the game along. I mean, why not drive the relievers in and you know instead of waiting an extra minute to two to for them to go you know come running in from the bullpen? Plus, you know I saw the prototype of the Dbacks cart. It also can serve a purpose. MLB teams are trying to sell every last bit of sponsorship they can. What's better than bringing a reliever out of the you know with a goofy looking uh, bullpen cart, ball oversized cap with a you know. Sponsorship on it.
0: that it makes sense to me. Yeah, you, know, you pull the governor on those things, you get up to about thirty miles. Probably get those pictures in there in no time. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all for it. As we uh, chat with Scott Miller right now, you, you got a book coming out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, you, you got to, um, you know, sit down with Bob Tewksbury. Ninety percent Mental is the name of the book. An all-star player turned mental skills coach reveals the hidden game of baseball. What um, you know, what took you aback, or, or you know, really stood out to you about you know diving into all the work that's done, not just you know physically uh, being able to compete, especially on the mound in a game like baseball, but uh, you know, there's mental skills coaches all around the game now, and, and that aspect of things has certainly uh, you know tuned up over the last few years.
1: Yeah, it has. You know, it's, it's a subject that interests me, uh, Pete, and you know, Tukes is a, a good guy. He's he's got a great sense of humor. And, you know, it really intrigued me that he, you know, I think it's 23 of 30 teams now have mental skills coaches. What makes him unique is he's the only guy that played in the majors and then went back and got his, his master's degree in, in sports psychology and counseling and now is a mental skills coach himself. I uh, spent, you know, after an all star, well, a 12 or 13 year career in the majors, he was an all star in 92 with Cardinals. You know, he was Boston's mental skills coach for about 12 years, and and now he's entering his second season as the Giants' mental skills coach. And I think, um, you know, you go back to the 80s. Remember, it used to be in baseball, people say, oh, you can't lift weights. You know, coaches, management would tell players, don't lift weights. And then in the 80s, we saw that change. Players started lifting weights. You know, their, their training changed. And then after that, you know, in the last decade or so, we've seen people get real smart in the game about nutrition, right? I mean, now they serve healthy meals in the clubhouse, players have personal chefs, and nutrition's changed. And now it's almost, I think, mental skills is the next frontier in the game. And um, it was interesting, you know, Tuks has some great old stories from when he played. We've got some, you know, what I think are great funny stories in there about, you know, Catfish Hunter and the old umpire Doug Harvey and some, some good, you know, old baseball stuff. <laughs> And it goes through his career, but also what he's done as a coach. And four guys in particular who are really good opening up to me about all the work they've done with Tukes. A couple of Chicago Cubs, John Lester and Anthony Rizzo. He's been instrumental in their careers. Uh, Cleveland Indians all-star reliever Andrew Miller and uh, Los Angeles Dodgers uh, starting pitcher Rich Hill. So there's there's some old baseball stuff in there, some new baseball stuff, some some uh, you know mental skills. Thoughts and techniques that even laymen like you and me, Pete, can uh, employ in our lives, and you know, maybe help us be a little more clear-headed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> how about uh, you know, how about Tukes though? Like, if he knew now, you know, had his knowledge now, you know, back when he was playing, you think that would have benefited him a big way, or would it be like you know, paralysis where you you know too much at that point about how your mind is working in when you're in the middle of competition? Yeah.
1: You know, I think to, to a degree. Uh, you know he he he's always been interested in the subject, and he actually was ahead of the curve. And he employed mental skills in his game, uh, you know, even when he played. And you're right; had he known then what he knows now, probably could have been an even bigger help. But even even then, I you know he, he when he came up, he had a pretty good arm. He, he threw fastball in the '90s, but he hurt his shoulder early on, and throughout most of his career, his fastball was. Like maybe eighty-eight miles an hour tops. I mean, he was able to kind of get by and carve out a really nice career for himself, uh, largely because he, he he was so in tune mentally. He outthought hitters. He he, he had historically good control, almost like a poor man's Greg Maddox. You know, in terms of putting the ball where he wants it, and also outthinking hitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I say poor man's Greg Maddox because while Tukes was an all-star. Maddox
0: obviously is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, uh, you know, check out the book 90% Mental, an all star player turned mental skills coach reveals uh, the hidden game of baseball. How about what's happening out there in Arizona? We really focus on, you know, the Grapefruit League, talking Mets uh, a lot on the show. Um, you know, have there have been, uh, you know, a camp or two that, that's impressed you along the way with what you're seeing out there? Yeah, you know, uh, uh, I
1: just got today was my first day in Arizona, so I was in Cleveland's camp, and those guys always impress me. You know, the Indians are are uh, phenomenal, and they, they're loaded again. They, they've got, uh, you know, I mean, from Francisco Lindor to uh, Corey Kluber, um, you know, Jason Kipnis, interestingly, he was hurt much of last year, mm-hmm. and he is having a terrific spring, and you know, obviously, you, you can't place a heavy emphasis on spring numbers, but Kibnitz, I think, hit sixth home run of the spring today, so if wow. the Indians could get a healthy and productive Corey Kluber to contribute over 162 games, they're going to be even better than they've been. And, um, you know, I did a two-week run in through Florida. Actually, I was in Fort St. Lucie for a time, and, and, you know, I mean, I know around the Mets world, you want to be cautious, but boy, you know, Syndergaard, Harvey, people forgot about the Mets last year and, you know, rightfully so with all their injuries, but if their rotation's healthy, you know, people better not sleep on the Mets.
0: There's still uh, plenty of talent there. How about, you know, with the Indians, they missing their old pitching coach there? Was that a sight out of mind?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Callaway. I think they're going to miss him. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's no question. He's one sharp guy. And, uh, you know, There have been a number of old Terry Francona coaches, you know, that he's got a pretty good managerial tree. I mean, remember, way back, his old pitching coach, John Farrell, uh, went on to manage the Toronto uh, Blue Jays and the Boston Red Sox. Mm You know, Callaway now going to, uh, uh, you know, your way to the Mets. You know, Brad Mills, the bench coach in Cleveland, is back with Francona now. But, you know, the Astros took him off of Francona's staff a few years back to be their manager, and, you know, that – unfortunately for Brad Mills, was a couple years before they had George Springer and Dallas Keuchel and Justin Verlander.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, Francona, one of the best uh, managing and uh, pro bullpen carts. We we like hearing that, too, from, uh, from old Tito uh, there with the Indians. But uh, Scott Miller, Bleacher Report. Again, check out the uh, book, 90% Mental. Uh, and, uh, Scott, we appreciate you coming on the show tonight. My pleasure, Pete.
1: Thank you, and uh, look forward to talking baseball with you later on this season.
0: Sounds good, Scott Miller, uh, giving us uh, the, the latest of what's happening and a little bit on you know the the book as well and that aspect of the game that has you know really been been you know dove into a little bit. That's interesting, you know, hearing it today when I don't know if you saw Kevin Love's Players Tribune piece today on you know, he had a, a panic attack. You know, his, his heart started to speed up on him during a game and his anxiety building up, and you know started seeing uh, a therapist after that and and a lot of things that you know Kevin Love had bottled up over the course of his playing career and, and his life you know real life things that happened that he that he hadn't dealt with uh you know these were things that um, he was, he's been able to to deal with and and was able to share publicly and it's really you know an interesting story from his perspective and it's not just you know, handling, you know, real-life situations in therapy, I mean, mental skills, it's, you know, how to calm yourself in the middle of competition, and it's something that, you know, first responders will uh, study a lot of these things, or they'll they'll have someone come in a mental skills coach to help them in in those pressure situations where, you know, your body has, you know, fight or flight, right? I mean, this is what you naturally are built to do and sometimes you have to be able to to fight that a little bit or at the very least understand what is happening when you're in a pressure situation and how to how to deal with it so um, you know as scott mentioned with all of the you know different studies that have been a part of really just sports not just baseball from nutrition and, and otherwise technology to, to help guys out i mean this is just uh, the latest frontier and yeah interesting that a, a former big leaguer would go to school and and, uh, you know, figure this out and become a mental skills coach and have you know certainly a different perspective than anybody else would have. It's one thing to say, well, this is how you probably feel in a competitive situation versus, you know, Tukes who'd be able to say, yeah, I, I know where you've been and uh, this is what's happening. Uh, 800-321-0710, the number to get involved. Uh, we'll take some phone calls when we come back. It's a t-shirt Tuesday. We've done this uh, most of the off-season. Every Tuesday night, you call into the show, you get on the air, and you win yourself a free Mets T-shirt. You're allowed to win once a month. We got a lot of different shirts. So 800-321-0710 the number. Uh, we could certainly talk some baseball for the next half hour, and then we'll have Ron Darling, SNY former Met, uh, with us at seven o five as part of our Mets spring training reports. We look forward to that. It's a Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York seven ten W O R.
1: The W O R Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on seven ten W O R.
0: A t-shirt Tuesday, call into the show, get on the air, you get yourself a free Mets t-shirt. Uh, again, the Mets, uh, an 8-4 win earlier today and some spring training action, walk-off grand slam. Jason Vargas was the starting pitcher. Not a whole lot of, uh, not much of a microscope on Jason Vargas this spring. Just, you know, just being asked to take the ball every five days and put up some innings over the course of this year. And, uh, Vargas, you know, able to pitch into the third inning today. Um, you know, he, he's going to pitch to contact. He's going to give up some runs. He's not going to be a Cy Young candidate like uh, some of the others you'd hope in this Mets rotation, but his job is to be what Bartolo Colon was a couple of years ago. Just someone takes the ball uh, on his given day, does it 30 times a year, and gives you six innings more times than not, uh, and, you know, far more often than not, and um, you'd be thrilled with that. And that's what the Mets need, something that is... Predictable in this rotation, where so little of it is uh, truly predictable for the Mets. And um, you know, one, another piece of good news, injury wise, for the Mets, uh, Ahmed Rosario. He's had some soreness in his knee, irritation in his left knee. Uh, he had an MRI today that came back totally clean. So Rosario, day to day. Uh, with this knee issue that he's dealing with right now one thing that was interesting though was you know he wasn't moving around as well as he usually does and 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 was bothered by the knee a little bit it's actually jose reyes who uh you know called over the trainer and said hey you know take a look at a med here and you know young players don't want to talk a whole lot or you know be taken out of a game they want to play as much as possible and uh they'll tough through some things that maybe they shouldn't and Reyes, you know, his background and all the injuries that he had when he was coming up and a young player in the bigs and, you know, that's That's what you want, you know, Reyes around for when it comes to Rosario in terms of being a, you know, a leader, mentor, someone you could look up to. But that's a perfect example of, you know, a thing that a veteran player can do to help out a younger player. Hey, don't keep playing on this if it's not a hundred percent in the middle of spring training. It's not that big a deal. If you got to miss a few days, make sure you're okay and and get this thing a hundred percent and be ready to go. Don't turn something minor into something major. And you know Reyes with uh, a little bit of an assist there, perhaps uh, for a med rosario, but uh eight hundred three two one zero seven ten, the number let's go voice some Mets t shirts and talks some baseball, John and Elmont starts us off. What's going on tonight, John?
1: uh nothing much, man, thanks for getting us to this dog days of winter here up in New
0: York, yeah man uh, quick it's question. Be bad um, tomorrow,
1: another, huh? You know, oh, it's gonna be a rough one <laughs> Probably, hopefully not, hopefully they bat the the little the Mendoza line there you go. on the weather <laughs> um. Who's the next prospect you see either in Double A or Single A that not this year or next year, but maybe in the future? You know, keep our eyes out looking for.
0: Well, David Peterson would be the guy that comes to mind for me. Is the Mets' first round pick uh, last year, and he only threw an inning at Brooklyn, but uh, he'll be coming up through the pike, and, and maybe a couple of years down the road, he could be a factor. Uh, more near term, Luis Guillorme has been has uh, been fun to watch. He's a tremendous defensive player. We, we all knew that. But he hit really well last year at Double A Binghamton. He's hit in spring training. And I think Guillorme is the guy who's opened some eyes. And you, know, you say a year or two from now, I think Guillorme, he'll make his Major League debut at some point this year. Uh, at some point, he's going to have the opportunity. I'm not saying he'll be an everyday player, but he'll be up. And he'll be a factor for this team. So I think he is someone that's really put himself on the map as more than just, you know, a potential utility guy, a defense first player, and someone that, you know, might be a real factor and maybe has a shot to be an everyday player. And the Mets have a lot of guys that are in that. Uh In that mix, right when TJ Rivera comes back from Tommy John surgery, is he an everyday player or not? He's kind of the opposite player as Guillaume, where TJ is offense first rather than defense. But, you know, they have some guys that, you know, have two really good tools or or, are really good on one side of the ball, but you're not sure if they're going to make it as everyday players. Wilmer Flores is still in that camp in a lot of ways. Um, You know, he's, he's. Legit big leaguer, but he hasn't been able to break through as an everyday guy. He's got to find a position. Uh, so I, I think Guillermo has been the one that has opened some eyes, uh, clearly, here in uh, in spring training. Chris in Jersey. What's up, Chris? Hello. Hey, Chris. How you doing tonight? Yeah, I'm fine. I
1: yeah. uh, just got asked, uh pertain to uh, team Tebow. Is he going to be a regular player with the Mets?
0: Well, he'd be a regular player with the Binghamton team, but uh-huh. he
1: uh,
0: he might make it to the big <laughs> leagues, but he's not going to be an everyday guy. Ah, uh, okay. yeah, you know, and thanks for the call, Chris. But uh, you know, Tebow has um, Tebow played better than I would have expected for a guy who hadn't played since high school. You know what he was able to do in the minor leagues last year, but he is you know a thirty-year-old guy that hit about 220 at single-A baseball last year. Uh, Sandy Alderson certainly not ruling out the possibility it gets a shot at the big leagues, and maybe that happens. But I think if Tebow's playing in the big leagues for the Mets, things did not turn out very well over the course of this year. And it will be, you know, if it's a, a quiet September and they're having another 70-something win season and they call up Tebow for a little bit of buzz or fun uh, at the end of the year, that's that's what you're looking at from Tebow. Unless he starts really hitting for power. I mean, he's got a ton of strength and he's got power in batting practice, but unless you start seeing more of it in game action, he doesn't have a you know, a role to, to really play. Uh, Joe in Valley Stream, what's up, Joe? Hey, how are you? I'm good. What's going on?
1: I'm down here in Port St. Lucie, and I want to tell you about a story about Stephen Matts. Back in 1972, Jerry Kuzman had the same thing when he gave up too much run, mm-hmm. and they put him in the bullpen to straighten out his mechanics. Then he went on, became a 20-game winner, Back in 1976, do you think they should put Bo, uh, Matz in the bullpen?
0: I don't I, because Mats has been fragile in his career. And while he's not going to be pitching back-to-back days in the pen, I understand that, throwing him off and... You know, throw him in the bullpen in a role that doesn't exist in the same way that it used to is not something I would be in a hurry to do. I think he can straighten out his mechanics at AAA Vegas if need be. Um, but yeah. you hope he's able to straighten him out in the next few weeks. But the problem, you know, clearly to me with Mats has been pitching with men on base. He doesn't pitch well from the stretch. He's not confident pitching there. And, you know, the command has cost him in these first two starts. And I, I do think it's something you got to look into. I, I like, I like your idea. I just, even if the Mets are going to have more of a swing man and somebody that is going to pitch multiple innings out of the pen, it's not its not the same right. kind of role that you know Kuzman was able to play 40 years ago.
1: Because, you know, I, that's what I was just giving an idea. But uh, I do want to see what was your opinion.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't be in a hurry to, to do it. And again, if Mats had been... Durable over the years, and he had a, an arm that bounced back, and you didn't have physical worries about him. I'd probably be more likely to say yes, but you know, unfortunately, that's not the case with Mats, and you know, to mess around with him or use him in, in in different kind of roles, I would not be in a hurry to do that. And same thing with Zach Wheeler, I wouldn't be in a hurry to put him in the pen unless that's what you think he is. If you're moving Zach Wheeler to the bullpen permanently. Put them in there, fine. But otherwise, you know, I I think you got to leave these guys stretched out, whether it's the the big league level or if they're not pitching effectively down at at AAA Las Vegas. And I I think that's what you're looking at. And now, you know, unfortunately for Mets, it's got to be a realistic possibility because it hasn't looked good these two starts. And it's two spring training starts. I get it. But this isn't a guy coming off a great year. It's a guy coming off a season where he had a 6-plus ERA, where for the first time we saw him pitch ineffective while he was on the mound. If you could look at you know the injuries as being the reason why he struggled, that might make sense, but he says he's healthy now, and he's still not getting outs, and you know he's clearly trying to get outs because he keeps talking about the results that he wants to be able to see. So he's not out there just working on something and shrugging off these performances. He wants to get outs. It's something that he is actually trying to do, this spring training. It's something they should be trying to do this spring training. Matts is something to prove here. And he still has, you know, a lot of ability and the potential to be an impact starter for the Mets here, but he has some things he's gotta, you know, clean up and work on and and get right. And I think I'd rather see him, you know, keep trying to do that as a starter than, you know, push him off to the to the bullpen and, and have him in a completely different role where, you know, you, you might pitch you know, one day and then you don't pitch for two weeks and then you're pitching every second day and, you know, there's no consistency to it. Uh, Andy and Lindbrook, how are we doing tonight, Andy?
1: Hello, Pete. I'm doing great. Uh, two main things I want to know about your prediction and this status with Matt Harvey and about Evans, what's going on with him. Is there any chance of him making the big leagues? You know, whatever else. Is uh, he a utility guy?
0: Say that again, Andy. Is Evans a utility guy? I'm trying to remember. Well, he plays a couple of positions, and he kind of has to, but uh, I don't think you'll see a whole lot of Philip Evans at the big league level this year. The Mets have a lot of of pieces in that infield where, uh, you know, if Adrian Gonzalez is going to work out at first base, you have Dom Smith behind him, you got Wilmer Flores who can play some positions, Jose Reyes on the bench this year rather than being a starter. I just think it's crowded. T.J. Rivera could be back. Sometime in the spring, May, June. Um, and if that's going to be the case, I think it's a lot lined up against Evans. So he has the walk-off Grand Slam today. Hey, that's great. Uh, he's got a pretty good bat. He looked okay in the couple of games that we saw him play in September. But uh, I, I don't see him being much of a factor for this club. As for Harvey... You know, I know everyone's, uh, I guess, doing backflips over the way he pitched yesterday. I I didn't think it was great. Uh, He was throwing 95, 96 miles per hour. He was falling behind in the count on a a lot of different batters. Uh, I... He's got to learn to pitch, and to some degree he showed that yesterday. He was able to get six ground ball outs, but I need to see that consistently, and I need to see you know, the command really pick up and be what it was. The velocity it doesn't seem like it's going to be back to 98 anytime soon. That slider that he had that you couldn't even see as a batter, it doesn't seem that that pitch is going to be back at the level that it was. But if he can command and pitch... He could be fine. He could be a number 4 starter for this team, and I don't think he's going to be an all-star. I don't think he's going to be a Cy Young contender, but if you're asking him to go out, start 25 games, pitch 150 innings, and do it with a 4 ERA, I think he's signed up for that right now. And and he still has the ability to do that, and that's the kind of pitcher he looks like to me right now. He doesn't look like he's bouncing back to being the Dark night in any way, shape, or form. And I think you know the part that you do... Worry about with him as well. It's just the mental side of it because you don't want to talk about last year. He wants to pretend it didn't happen and just you know move on from here forward. And I think that's concerning when a guy doesn't you know even want to acknowledge what went wrong in the past and deal with it head on, and instead is just going to ignore it. And you know what's going to happen when you give up you know seven runs and in three innings against the Nationals at some point this year? Is it going to be the same cycle that you dealt with last year, or did you actually learn something last year that you know can help you out? And that's a big question I think you got to have with Matt Harvey with the way that he is handling you know, some of the basic questions that are natural for a guy who had a 6.5 ERA last year, one of the worst ERAs by you know a Met starter, and the worst ERA by a starter that had, I believe it was a baseline 90 innings. That's these are fair questions. And things that he should have dealt with on his own this offseason, so why not share them a bit rather than just ignore it and pretend last year didn't happen? that. That is concerning to me as far as uh, Harvey goes, but he needs the results. He got three scoreless yesterday, but uh, I, I think you know number four starter, nothing special. You just want him to stay healthy and 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 make this make the starts. Take the ball. That's what the Mets need. They got Degrom and Syndergaard at the top. You have Vargas who can take the ball as well. You have some high upside potential pieces in Wheeler and Mats, but I don't think Harvey is that high upside potential anymore. I don't. I don't see that kind of stuff from him. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. The number again. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. We'll ask Ron Darling. Uh, what do you think of Matt Harvey? He'll be joining us at seven oh five for the Mets Spring Training report, and uh, we'll, we'll hit, you know plenty of the Mets pitching. And uh Brandon Nemo and much more as uh, Ronnie's been seeing plenty of these spring training games, so we'll have him coming up again seven oh five. Sports zone with Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York, seven ten W O R.